Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates, Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your usual hosts, uh, Josh Hartley, and back from uh, his uh, tournament and session of painting angry naked dwarfs is yep. uh, Ben Porter. How are we doing, Ben? Um, I'm adjusting to the light again, but I'm, I'm getting <laughs> there. Um, and I am still in pain from the the absolute trouncing that uh, I took at Common Ground Games oh the other weekend, but maybe talk about that. We're gonna we, we'll discuss that at a later episode. Yes. However, tonight we are also joined by Mark from Radical Eight Games. How are we doing, Mark? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah. Good, excellent. Uh, thanks very much for so coming you, on the you, show. You guys can't see this, but um, Mark looks very official at the moment. I've just, <laughs> I've just come back from work, uh, marking loads of papers, came in and. Down here, yep. Uh, the th- yeah, you, you were saying before we started uh, uh, recording the, th- the thankless task of a teacher, <laughs> yes, yeah, very thankless. <laughs> I, f- I, feel, I feel like we need to sit up straight, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, am I gonna get told off for like I, I, going off on tangents? I, I, I bet you got made to sit like near the teacher a lot, didn't you? At school? Oh, you how did you know? Yeah, <laughs> did, were you? But, I've always I've always wanted to ask this. I, well, I always ask this of teachers though. Uh, see, sometimes when the kids do something naughty, but you think to yourself, "That's really funny." What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How often does that happen? That happens relatively often, and usually it is just a matter of either tactical ignorance or you just have to one up them. That's it. Ah. Uh, I like I, I like both methods. I, I particularly <laughs> like the phrase "tactical ignorance." I'm oh, going to try. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. Excellent. Yeah. So, Mark has uh, designed a new game, Forks, which we're going to have a bit of a chat about later on in the show. But uh, first of all, a couple of brief news items. Yeah, it's been a bit of a quiet week this week. But uh, first item is Czech Games Edition are working on a game called Sanctum. Mm-hmm. Which has got Diablo written all over it. Okay, um, and the Czech Games Edition have got a bit of a history of bringing experiences that that were hitherto exclusive to the the realm of video game into the tabletop. You, know, you get things like Adrenaline. I was just going to say, I'm thinking of Adrenaline in yeah. particular. Um, so it, Sanctum looks as though it's going to be a sort of Diablo style dungeon crawler. Okay, um, and it it's it looks really cool. Big yeah. demon on the front. Uh, some pretty What's nice not miniatures. to love? Yeah. What's not to love? Um, so looking forward to to seeing that in the coming months. And uh, 
Cubicle 7, who produced the Warhammer Fantasy role-playing game, have announced that they're doing a starter set for the game. Hooray! Which they need to because the core book is £45. Now, it, it, like people uh, people who don't play role-playing games probably uh, are, are bulking right now, like £45 for a hardback book. What? <laughs> now, that That's kind of the going rate, actually. Is that some peasant joke I'm too rich to understand? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, so that, no, that's a good thing though. Starter starter sets, I mean, and wizards have been doing it for Dungeons and Dragons for ages. Yeah. Like the start, the various starter kits, uh, great for getting new blood into the game. Uh, hopefully, it will get a few people into the Warhammer Fantasy RPG as well. Very different to yeah. uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It is brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's well. I think it's a bit of a culture shock if you're used to Dungeons and Dragons. Where I think it's safe to say Dungeons and Dragons is a bit of a power fantasy, whereas Warhammer Fantasy is you're a pleb and the odds are stacked against you and the world is going to kill you. Uh, Yeah. Just surviving at times is a victory. I mean, we, 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 we nearly got took out by a bear and that was the first combat. Yeah. So... Yeah. Do you do you ever dabble with uh, RPGs, Warhammer or otherwise? No, I, I love narrative based games, but I've never done a full RPG. I've got a colleague who's starting to run a D and D campaign, so I'm hoping to start, but nothing yet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. D and D is certainly a good entry. That's point, it's the it? perfect. I would say it's like the perfect one to try yeah. first, especially and then. fifth edition. I think because. D and D, I think, has always been what uh, easier to wrap your head around mm-hmm. than the other systems. But fifth edition is really, really polished. Yeah, yeah. I know. Mean, you know, they've had what thirty coming on forty years. No, it might be older than forty years old now. This is embarrassing. I can't remember how old Dungeons and Dragons You're is. For a long time, it was certainly. late seventies, so yeah, it'll yeah, be it'll yeah. be forty years old yeah, at least. An so, old, old game. Yeah, so uh, they've they've had a while to polish it, they've but had a yeah, good run. yeah, uh, yeah. So, so now looking forward to what what's in the starter set. Uh, for... I'm not actually sure. Uh, I imagine that I, the price was in dollars. It was okay. thirty dollars. Right, so, so you're not getting the full. You're not. You're not going to get the full rulebook or anything like that. I imagine that it's going to be the same idea as the D and D starter set. So it'll probably be pre-made characters, a set of the dice that you need, uh, pencils because mm-hmm. you need pencils. Golf pencils. Yeah. Well, um, sorry, IKEA pencils. Yeah, and then probably a sort of truncated version of the rules. Yeah, maybe like a a starting campaign, yeah. and then from that point, yeah is a platform to, it, to continue. It does what it says in the tin. It's designed to get you playing the game as quickly as possible so it doesn't overwhelm you with creating a character and all of that. It's just, here's a character. Go and play. Cool. Cool. We're looking forward to seeing how that looks. Yeah. The The last bit of news, uh, Mark actually told us about briefly before we we start, we hit the record button. So there's been a bit of... Um, a, a, a bit of a controversy uh, with one of the game's GMT publishers. A bit of a susurrus. A susurrus? Oh, yes. good word. Yeah. That's a really good word. Yeah. Uh, GMT, yeah. Um, uh, they've removed, I think it's their P900 list, uh, Scramble for Africa. 
uh, after an outroar from people. Uh, I think there was one thread of Game Geek which said, I thought we were beyond this. Uh, <laughs> the, the whole theme of colonialism and, and how it needs to be approached and whether or not they did it correctly, and a lot of people think they didn't with this game, uh, is definitely something where they've, they've really kicked a horn in its nest. Right. So, so the end result is they, they've now withdrawn it from their line. Well, yes. ju- just before we, we started recording, we, we did a quick Google search of the Scramble for Africa game and the the Board Game Geek uh, profile has been changed to unnamed prototype or something like that. Redacted. It's been expunged from the <laughs> records, basically. So um, I, I haven't played uh, this game, obviously. Um, so quick, quick bit of background, uh, GMT... Pretty much exclusively published war games. Yes, right? uh, they do Historical one of my historical war games. They do one of my favourite board games of all time, uh, Twilight Struggle. Yeah, um, uh, and and it's that kind of thing they uh, that that kind of thing they do uh, is like historical, some modern day stuff. I think they courted a bit of controversy not so long ago with one based around the war in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, while it was still happening yeah. so well i mean it continues to uh, go on actually yeah. but um uh so what i wanted to talk about and mark i think you hit the nail on the head there is the theme of colonialism in games and how it is approached right because i do think uh Games are a really good education tool course, particularly yeah. with history and getting you in the mindset of a particular era. Well, you're not, you're not just reading a textbook, right? You're involved in it. Yeah. So. And the, the example that I always think about, uh, and it caught, and this one courted controversy at the time as well, uh, Archipelago, uh, you could, like, slavery was a, a resource that you could use. And it was done very matter of fact. Mm. Uh, and people were quite upset about it. But I thought that, that it, it, it handled it in a way that got you in, like, made you understand the mindset of um of the colonials at that time this was a resource to them they didn't approach these indigenous people with the humanity that they deserved i I don't think actually um as much as as he has celebrated um a a lot of people don't realize that um christopher columbus Oh, he was he was he a did, bad man. He did some horrendous stuff, uh, and is, particularly to the indigenous peoples of the the Caribbean. Yeah, I think there's there's danger. I think going back to Archipelago, because I know when I played that, I thought the feeling wasn't that it was trying to impart uh, how colonial people felt, uh, but there's a danger of saying this is just a game, and actually it's thematically you're doing these things without thinking about the morals behind them. And that's when maybe it does become uh, quite dangerous to use colonialism. Okay, uh, yeah, fair comment. At at Uh, the same time, there is an argument, isn't there, that if if we choose to to not feature something like slavery in a game like Archipelago, which is about the golden age of sale and slavery was a huge vehicle yeah, one of the biggest. Trade, uh, yeah, it was a huge uh, part of the like of the global economy at that the, point. The problem is, if you choose to remove that, you're essentially um, whitewashing 
history. And the, the, the problem you have when you start going down that road is if we all take that tact of like slavery is abhorrent, it's offensive, we shouldn't even talk about it anymore. Hundreds of years from now, the mistakes of the past, there's no record of them yeah. for the I, future generations. I do think, though, the record for those should come from the people who were most affected by it. So if archipelago had been made by a Maori tribe or something, or, or somebody yeah. who had been affected by colonialism, rather than, because the vast majority of games are going to be made by Europeans and uh, people in the US, uh, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. Eurostar games that we play. And it is almost looking for somebody who's got a different viewpoint or somebody who has been affected by this and approach it that you maybe don't get a sense that it is just is another resource collection game but to collect resources you're doing things which actually were quite abhorrent yeah the the game that i've that i've seen that that handles slavery as a mechanic if you can even say that in, mm -hmm. in the best way is endeavor age of sail which is set in the same era as archipelago yeah um and Slavery again—it's it's a vehicle, it's a currency that you can use to enhance your cause. But one of the things that there, there's like side objectives and side goals. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you can do in Endeavor is work to abolish slavery. And what it means is that if other players have still got slave money on their hands at the end of the game, they get penalised for it. So it's you use it up, then you physically see the the winds of change of social change manifest in the game, and that that is that is effectively what happened in in history mm -hmm. as as vet, like nations started ab abolishing slavery, it became like politically terrible to be associated with anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so the pressure just mounted and mounted and mounted. It's a domino effect, right? One. One one country starts with it, and then everyone else catches up. It's it, it's it's interesting it, 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 that it remains, even though obviously slavery has been abolished for um for it still decades. Exists. It's just yes, the, but, you know the the terminology has changed. You, know, you call it human trafficking, and call it whatever you you like, but it's you know it's like if if it if it looks like a spade and is shaped like a spade mm -hmm. and functions like a spade, it is a spade, irrespective of what you choose to yeah. call it. And, and I, I suppose, it, well, yeah, you've, you've just answered the question I was going to ask. Is like what, uh, this is still an incredibly sensitive topic, mm -hmm. uh, but that that explains it. It, it. It's sensitive because it still happens. Mm -hmm. um, it... Yeah, I, I think we, like we can all agree that it, the right tact needs to be used, and it would appear that uh, GMT fell foul of that. <laughs> yeah, and as I was saying earlier as well, one that by removing it, um, they've got a lot of flack for putting it on there in the first place from people who say they don't have any tact, they haven't got any sensitivity with this, and they're not telling both sides. Essentially, uh, people in Africa are just resources. But then they also get a lot of flack from people who are hardcore historical advocates who think actually if it's a history-based game it should be done exactly the same way so they've managed to annoy pretty much everybody uh with this which is <laughs> quite incredible. 
Yeah. Just like Theresa May. Yeah. Moving on. Oh, we said we weren't going to talk about it. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you shoehorned it in there, didn't you? Look, I, I can make a, an offhand joke about Theresa May. That is my right as a British person now. I, so, I so. <laughs> anyway, so from get something right. <laughs> so from exploitation of one form uh, to another, Forks is a game where we are uh, exploiting markets, uh, in, uh, investing and embezzling to uh, try and make a profit uh, for personal gain, obviously. Of course, Why yeah. else would we do yeah. this? Uh, so how, how long have you been working on Forks now, Mark? Forks was, came to my head. I was thinking about social deduction uh, for a couple of years. And I wanted a social deduction game with very few cards. Uh, and obviously the game you're playing now, there's no social deduction elements to it. Um, but the whole idea of giving somebody a choice that stemmed from trying to eke out who was the bad person from the good people. Uh, and it's coming mm-hmm. from everybody's a bad person. So uh, there's, there's no <laughs> eking out there. Um, but that's, Yay, that's capitalism! <laughs> yes. <laughs> I uh we, we we've had a we we've played quite a few games of it now. Uh yeah. you and Charlotte more so um yeah. by virtue of having the copy here I'm a in the worried, house. Worried because Charlotte seems to be really good at it. I wouldn't read anything into that. Yeah. He says pulling a face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we've played um we've played quite a few games of it. Um I think the the thing that I really like about it is the You've got the the different companies in the game that that you're investing or embezzling in, and the uh, the company names and the logos are all suitably soulless. <laughs> I in, in in my line of work, I think I've seen like yeah, they they it's they're spot on for like company letterheads. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. just particularly the the law firm. What is it? Needle and Green. Yeah. It's oh. like the sort of all law firms are just called surname and surname. Yeah. It, it was actually really difficult coming up with some of those company names. I want I didn't want something cartoonish. Uh I didn't want mm-hmm. something where, you know, they've all got animals. I thought actually I want something that sounds like proper companies, but that aren't, so nobody can send me an angry letter uh, later on. So I just came up with some really just company names and every single one, the very first tranche uh, me and uh, Tyler came up with Every single one was already an actual company. Uh, so I, I kept some more and some more, and eventually we got somewhere they, they didn't really exist. But that was a much longer slog than it should have been. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting that that you you were saying there that you didn't want them to sound cartoonish because I think the I think the the temptation with a game like this would be to like fully embrace the the, the satire. Um, but but the company logos like they they straight up look like they've been plucked off of a mm-hmm. a letterhead. A lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I just I think it's because there's already um, uh, there's already some games out there with you know cartoon companies things. That I think startups by Oink Games has got these cartoon companies with animals, and I just thought actually I just want somewhere they look like real companies. Let's go slightly uh-huh. different. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, too right. Uh, so when you were designing the game, then obviously you, you, you've sort of hinted the theme came first and then the game developed from yeah. that. Was, was just kind of going back to what we were discussing about using games as a tool of education then, was there some sort of idea behind it of this is how this is how markets can be manipulated or a very abstract way of demonstrating that and why um i'm gonna sound like an, an article from the guardian here like, we, we, like, we, we jokingly referred to it as tony blair the game jokingly jokingly but but no, it, it was was that possibly something in the back of your mind of uh you know trying to educate players uh, about uh you know abuse of abuse of markets and capitalism i don't i don't think um that was in my mind i do like the fact that when people are playing it they start by take you know the first time they play it, take high value cards then halfway through the game they think oh this is i've made such huge errors and everything is going badly <laughs> i don't want to steal anymore um and i really like that bit that comes through uh actually the, the first time um I played a very early prototype of this. Actually, it had negative numbers involved, uh, and I played it with oh. some of my kids at school. And it was it was just getting them used to negative numbers, and then you know the the whole nasty marketness creeped in uh, later on. Uh, but yeah, the, I think that's where the education bit probably does come in. Yeah, I, it's just as a side note, actually, uh, I've never even considered this, but you, you have the the perfect job to get playtesters for, <laughs> yeah. for, for any game. Yeah, I, I run I run a board games club, and they do. I have taken in prototypes from some other designers uh, to get playtested there, um, and I mean the kids love it. They they every yeah. take, you can tell uh, designers how to change their game. And I've had some of them write letters before they sat. They played the game. They sat and written a letter. Thought they're better than adult playtesters. Stuff for those kids. And them. Oh, <laughs> we wow, could yeah. have, having having met some people who are adult <laughs> playtesters. I can almost certainly vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> so what 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 sort of games do you play at the the board games club at school? What what's so popular the moment, there? They love social deduction. That is the big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. They've, they've played, uh, we've got Insider, Spyfall, Resistance. Resistance gets played or used to get played all the time. Um, and then uh, then Spyfall came along. Uh, but yeah. other big hits, Camel Up, Super Cup, uh, which I, I think is fantastic. Camel Up's great. Um, it was actually a, a pal of my. Uh, the first time I played it was a pal of mine who wasn't into board games at all, <laughs> just randomly picked it up because he thought, "Ah, oh, this looks cool," yeah. uh, and it's it's really fun. Uh, no, I've not played it. It's oh, well, it's, it's superb, superb. It's ga- gambling on camel racing, basically, but it's done really well. And I kind of, I've, I've, I've got mixed Arab Emirates the game, basically. <laughs> <Kind of> right. <laughs> um, I, I, I kind of, I, I don't know what because they've recently done a new edition of it with new art, and yeah. I think that's kind of a shame because I kind of like the goofy, cartoonish art. The, the, the new edition apparently has got a crazy camel that goes backwards as well. So. Oh, I, right. I want to mm-hmm. play with that. I haven't, I haven't got the position <laughs> because, uh, yeah, we've got the expansion for the old one, and so we've already got a lot of camel game there. Mm-hmm. For ages, I thought it was Camel Cup because of the way that they'd set the the logo nah. on it. Camel up, come on, man! 
So I, I do appreciate that they've clarified that. <laughs> As someone that's a little bit anal about like formatting and things. Yeah, presentation. I think even that. if they'd told me that it was camel up, I'd be like, no, no, it says camel cup there quite mm-hmm. clearly. That's what it says. <laughs> Just and that and you would choose that hill to die on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my my school never had a board gaming club when I was growing up. No. I don't think they're common. I don't think they're common, but um yeah, we've 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 had one at my school we've had one for quite a number of years actually. Uh, and we've we've got a good number of board gamers there as well. We've got a staff board gaming club as well. So oh, excellent! Plenty, plenty of board gaming opportunities there. Oh, that well. It, to, what... to be fair, I don't think that the the market was quite as diverse when we were at school. No. Um, so it like I think I think it, if there was a board gaming club, it would have been like you know we mentioned them earlier, like the hardcore GMT type stuff. Or alternatively, or like Monopoly. Yeah, um, but uh, what I was going to say though is, I mean, it sounds like your your club's really popular. But this is always something I wonder because I, I don't have children myself, uh, and I don't have any relatives that are like at school either. So, but I, I'm conscious that nerd culture has changed <laughs> quite a bit. No, but like I, I, I genuinely because I used to get made fun of for playing yeah. Warhammer like, and see, see Dungeons I, and Dragons and the like. like. Like dudes that like go to the gym wearing Batman t-shirts. I'm just like, you bastard. I <laughs> suffered for Batman. I suffered for that guy. So it's it's it is is this how it's gone down in schools as well? Then has has nerd culture now been embraced by the masses? I think there's there's because there wasn't a board games club when I was at school. Definitely, um, mm. a lot of schools. I think a lot of staff, a lot more adults are playing board games. And when you when you when you love board games, you want to play them with everyone. And you want to teach your kids love them. Oh, uh, where uh... one other thing actually is. A lot fewer children are playing. I used to play board games and card games at home, uh, but that happens a lot less these days. We're finding we have to teach children uh, what uh, what the suits are in a pack of cards, for example, because they don't really. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, wow! They, they, card games, they just don't. That don't is get played as much at home. You've just blown <laughs> my mind, Mark. I can't even fathom. I'm trying to know, remember. You know, I actually watched an episode of the Graham Norton show recently where Chris Pratt was doing a card trick. Yeah. And Graham Norton had to tell Will I Am what the card he had was. He was like, oh, it's an A. It's like... <laughs> yeah, but I... I'm, right, well, uh, Will I Am has no excuse, yeah. right? But I'm, you, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, at what point did I learn the suits of a standard deck of cards? It just happened. I, I just I mean, like, I, like I, I remember when I was a little lad playing solitaire on the computer, and you play like you know you talked about school. Actually, just just came back to me there. We used to play cheat or bullshit during yeah. our breaks at school. Yeah, so Mister Smith came along and accused us of gambling. We had that as well, actually, in sixth form. We used to play on our breaks uh, shithead quite a lot. And, uh, yeah, that got that got canned for the same reason. Accusations of gambling. How dare they? Yeah, well, How dare them. they? But they don't play at home either. That's, it's, it's, a, it's an odd one. We used to play, we used to play shared, and we used to play 
uh, West, Knockout West, and, and all sorts of games, but it's it doesn't happen as much. So therefore, I, I feel if I don't teach them board games, they're just never going to learn how to play any games. Yeah, yeah. and if uh, what what nobler could teach your maths first? That's the <laughs> priority right oh, yeah. And, yeah. and and then board board games are close second <laughs> so go, going back to mark the game designer oh yeah um do do you feel maybe a bit of a dumb question but do, do you feel that your that your specialist subject maths has stood you in good stead for your game design pursuits absolutely definitely there's i mean it so many ways that everything when well, i think when you design a game the maths behind it is so important um any kind of if people when people talk about balance they, they talk about mm-hmm. maths behind games aren't they uh, and mm-hmm. probability i love probability I love teaching probability all forms of it um and it's one of those things that people do that some people don't understand uh and it's it's very useful uh I mean, not just with, with forks, but with every every sort of game, uh, thinking about, you know, your different combinations, your, your permutations, when are things taken off, added on, all that kind of stuff. One thing that does get left behind a little bit is thinking, other remembering other people don't enjoy maths as much as us. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and, you know, forks might have a little bit of that in there, because uh, there is some adding to do, but... It's better than when there were negative numbers. I'm just, I'm just going to put it. Yeah. <laughs> that. Uh, oh God, yeah. Actually, trying to think <laughs> of that. But the the way that the the game works out, it it like we were saying earlier when we we're playing it again, it it feels like a a very streamlined and truncated version of you cooking the books. Yeah. Yeah, if you were to try and ab- like in an abstract way represent uh, someone the, fiddling the with the counts, yeah. then it, this feels like a good way of doing it. Yeah, the, especially the way that the the merging mechanic works. Yeah, where you're essentially like uh, bleeding funds off mm-hmm. of one to buy another dodgy yeah. pursuit. Because <laughs> I, I mentioned Tony Blair earlier. Um, <laughs> they. Slagging all the politicians yeah. tonight. Do, do you know that no one actually knows how much he's worth? Because the way that he balances his books is so complicated and is tied up in so many pursuits that no one can actually say for sure what he's worth. I mean, I, I can I can believe that easily. He's, he's a crafty yeah. one, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, do we know how much he's morally worth? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, every, everyone knows that. <laughs> a lot of sort of single-celled organisms spring to mind. <laughs> but um, you actually beat me to the comment on uh, Mark's background in mathematics because it uh, it, it puts uh, puts your CV somewhat similar to the CV of another very prominent game designer, yes. Richard Garfield. We actually spoke about him at Aircon, didn't we, during yeah. our first first yeah. meeting because he he has done a couple of articles where he waxes lyrical about the mathematics of probability mm-hmm. and how important they are to game design but what so what i was going to ask is, is is he in terms of inspiration behind uh you know or people other designers you look up to is he one of them or uh, uh, any others that come to mind he used to play magic 
a lot when I was a kid. When I was growing up, I loved Magic. Uh, me and my brother used to play it. Never properly, we'd mix all the colours together and then just wonder why, you know, we're drawing 18 swamps and you need an eye for that kind of thing. <laughs> so, so we weren't at the stage of, of deck building with any kind of sensible uh, sensible decks, but I loved Magic. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember what else you played. Is it The Great Dalmulti? Is that Richard Garfield's? The Great Dalmulti. It's a game. It's a card game, but we just used to play with regular cards where the winner, you, you play around, and the winner takes the best cards from the loser to always stay on top. I'm pretty sure Richard Garfield made the version. I might be completely wrong there. I'm going to research afterwards. Oh, wrong. Yeah, I'm going to need to look sure up. Garfield made a version yeah. of that. Uh, other people, I love, I love Uwe Rosenberger games. Absolutely love working Yeah, with uh, It's one of the reasons why I don't want to make a work replacement game because his are so good that I'd just rather play his games than try and, <laughs> try and beat them. There's, yeah. there's no point. Yeah. You know, it's uh, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Um, and the other games, uh, which are real like, and I couldn't say the designers for these, uh, small box number-based card games, uh, as you can probably tell from, from Fort, mm -hmm. you know, things, no thanks, fantastic. Six Nymph, fantastic. I know that's Wolf, Wolfgang, I, I can say I can say the last name, but those I just love them. I love those type of games where you've got a card with a number, and that and it's it's how you play it. That's the intelligent thing. It's not lots of different powers. It's not lots of different decks that you've got to read. It's just here's a card with a number. Do something clever with it. Absolutely. You wouldn't be alluding to the mind by any chance, would you? <laughs> I actually played the mind yesterday. Uh, it was a, a two-player mind. And the person I was playing with had never played it before. I said, uh, I was saying, okay, some people don't really think this is a game. And partly through, <laughs> it just tells me, you're just putting cards down. That's all we're doing. I said, yeah. He said, how do you know which cards to put down? I said, well, you, you don't. I said, oh. And then we lost. Immediately after that, it's just, right, what down to 50 after about three seconds. That was it. That was the end. You know, I I really need to play this Duncan game. Duncan hates the mind. He, yeah. was it, he described it at Tabletop Scotland as, was it five litres of arse gravy? Well, 40 <laughs> litres at first, and then he corrected himself to five because it is a small box. Yeah, five, five litres of arse gravy. <laughs> And then um, he actually had a moan about it in the group chat again the other day because Charlotte, Charlotte said, Charlotte said we've not played the mind yet. And then he goes, pick a number. And he's, oh, sorry, we lost. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was his explanation of the mind. He oh, hates it. Yeah. The, the it, thing about the mind is you, you've got to play with people who play at the same speed. If one person always plays quick, you've got to, I think, just play quickly. You either lose quickly or you win quickly. But you, if, mm -hmm. if you're sitting around... 10 minutes and no one's played a card yet that's when people start thinking oh maybe we should do something else so i always yeah. always try and play quickly but yeah the guys playing with yesterday played even quicker than that there we go there yeah. we go so how far along is forks in its development cycle so uh in the development cycle um it's oh, i'm looking over because uh, i can see it just, uh, the core <laughs> game the, the the base mechanics um are done. The the the, the basic mm -hmm. of the absolute core to it is done. Um, in terms of the graphic design, uh, I'm just there's, there's maybe a few minor tweaks there. But on the whole, that's done. 
Now there is some scenario. I think I gave you some example scenarios. I don't know if you if you yeah yeah yeah. We uh, we we were tempted actually mm. to to have a go right before we started recording, but uh, I think that we'll uh, we'll definitely have a crack at those. I was say, I'm interested to see how you how you think about those. Now those initially, my thought was um, Kickstarter. You know, you, you put out the the core game, then you probably need an expansion. Uh, you know, just if people really want to get into it, they can they can back it a lot. Uh, unfortunately, with these small card games, it doesn't quite work like that. You've got the, the base game is 50 cards. So the, if the expansion is also 50 cards, that's literally just the, the cost to get both of those. That's actually just double or even more because <laughs> yeah. you don't get the benefits printing yeah. uh, printing both. So um, I'm still working on those, but minds is whether to actually leave it and just see if people like the base game because when i buy a game i like to wait before buying the expansion i don't like to feel yeah i i i'm with you on that yeah so i'm thinking even though my initial thought was to get the scenarios in there is just to actually put them to one side and say if if people like this game go with those and yeah go from there um but on the whole like i said the core game Absolutely, I'm really happy with them. Really oh, and it feels really polished. There, there is this uh, this wonderful anxiety playing <laughs> it when you, you you're trying to balance hoarding the good cards, but also making sure your investment is doing well enough. And, and it, you, you need to try and coax people into working for you, not necessarily with you. I see. This is it. I'm 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 no good at manipulating people <laughs> yeah, i'm just too nice to honest <laughs> i think it, it really comes in when when you give somebody two cards and they look at you like they hate you because it goes to <laughs> that's, that's when you know you've played it yeah excellent excellent so uh for our listeners out there where can where can they find out more information about forks uh, if they go to radicalategames.com uh, that's my website. I just upload uh, some designer diaries there, or my Facebook page, uh, which is Radical Eight Games on Facebook, or Board Game Geek. If they search Forks, it's it's the only hit. That's good I, at least. And I, I was good. I'm I'm amazed that there hasn't been a single game called Forks previously, or, or anything containing the word Forks. It's uh... that's mental. <laughs> <laughs> that's but hey, hey, uh, that works. With that name there. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for. But look, Mark, thanks again for uh, coming on the show. Oh, thank uh, you, pleasure to having you. That's yeah, really pleasure good. to have you. And uh, look, thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.